Hi, this is Russell. Welcome to A Life in Music, the podcast dedicated to performers who want to be their very best. I've spent my life working in an industry I love, professionally since the age of eight years old. I love what I do, and I'm still as passionate today as I have ever been. This industry is full of ups and downs, but it's still a wonderful industry, and A Life in Music is here to support performers with interviews from creatives to artists, behind-the-scenes insights, tips and tricks, and as much support as I can give to help you become the very best you can be. Now I've something to ask you. There are three ways in which you can help me reach more people. This not only benefits others, but also gives me the opportunity of getting great content to you. The more listeners I have, the more weight this platform has, and this in turn gives me my opportunities of getting even more great interviews and great content to you. Now, firstly, please go to my website at www.alifeinmusic.com and sign up to the newsletter. This means you'll be the first to hear about new content on the site and new podcasts as they become available. There's also some exclusive benefits that come from time to time. Secondly, please review the podcast. This is incredibly important to me. It takes a couple of minutes and if you go onto the website you'll find some very simple instructions. Please leave me a great review. This is the best opportunity for me to get further exposure from iTunes. And thirdly, just spread the word. Tell people about the podcast and the website and get them to have a listen. And finally, thank you so much for listening and thank you for your support. We have listeners from all over the world. This podcast is for you and I do it for no monetary benefit whatsoever. This is my way of sharing my experiences and wisdom from a life in music. And now on to today's show. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Life in Music with Russell Scott. Over the past few months I've had the pleasure and privilege of interviewing some of the most amazing artists and creatives and on today's show I have someone of equal standing. Hailed as the UK's leading choreographer and artistic director, Richard Marcel works uh, just works to the bone. He works. He really works to the bone every hour of every day. He works across a huge, diverse range of uh, dance styles, and has, has himself worked with stars such as Madonna and Diana Ross, George Michael, Tom Jones. He's got an incredible and unique ability uh, creating dance for stage and screen. And here is my interview with the amazing Richard Marcel. So, good morning, Richard Marcel. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm feeling bright and breezy and full of the springs of <laughs> whatever that phrase is. <laughs> and where are you right now? Are you in London? Um, I'm in Soho, London, um, at my apartment. Good place to be. Always. So, so tell me, tell me. Let's start with the, with a background. Let's let's just sort of start. Where did where did this all begin? How did you get involved in uh, in dance and movement? Uh, dancing, I started at the ripe old age of 12 years old, uh, because my father took me, my brother, my sister, actually my mum and dad, we all went dancing together wow. on, in, at that time. Uh, and for some reason I'm still doing it. 
<laughs> what made you want to do it? I mean, what made you all go dancing? What was that first time like? Where did you go? Um, well, my dad, uh, in his youth, used to be a bit of a ballroom dance fan. And we happened to live in, uh, a, uh, in a place called South Norwood, which is very close to Penge. And Penge was the home of ballroom dancing in its day because of a very famous teacher called Peggy Spencer. So she had a dance school there, and it, which was world famous. So it was only 15 minutes down the road. So he took us all to a family dance class. <laughs> wow, that must have been fun. Just just the three of you? Do you have, you have siblings? Uh, yeah, me, my brother, my sister, and my mum and dad. So all five of us. Okay. What was it like? Tell me about it. It was great. Um, we all kind of liked dancing anyway, and at home and everything, and uh, we turned up, and it, there was this purpose-built studio with lights and atmosphere and this big, scary teacher, <laughs> and, uh, and it was all very sociable, and they did this class to encourage families to dance together, which I, I've never seen anywhere else since. Um, which, which was quite good in a way, because as kids, it, it, we, we felt it was quite comforting to be with our parents and, and all go and dance together. We loved it. We, we all got hooked straight away. And, and so, what, what sort of dancing was it? What, what, sort of, uh, what sort of music were you dancing to? Do you remember? It was uh, ballroom and Latin dancing. It's what you would call social dancing. Okay. And uh, with a couple of party dances thrown in. So we learned all the stuff you'd see on Strictly Come Dancing. Like, <laughs> and the cha-cha-cha and the jive and the samba and things like that. So you kind of you kind of got the bug just from that first experience, did you? Did you, had it, you obviously must have had something in you that, that had this great passion to do it. There was must, must have been a real pull for you. Yeah, I mean, we all got the bug. And personally, for me, it was definitely home, from home, because I was, you know, from an early age, I was definitely that creative, goofy type at school couldn't really handle school very well, couldn't handle the people at school and uh, and yet alone the, the subjects, the academic subjects. But I was able to draw um, like a diva and I was also able to uh, play musical instruments just by ear, just wow. from the word go. So I think this was definitely my area. So what then happened? Did you, did you, where did you train? How did you train? How did that all sort of develop? Well, from there, uh, my mum and dad carried on going social dancing uh, in the evenings and we took it uh, a little bit more seriously. We started going on a Saturday um, all day doing kids classes. We joined the famous Peggy Spencer formation dance teams. And then before we knew it, we were doing competitions up and down the country, going to Blackpool on the coach. And my parents were forking out for a hell of a lot of money because it was all three of us doing it. Um, you know, with training and costumes and the whole shebang. So uh, it just escalated out of control, actually. And your <laughs> and your siblings still involved in the industry? Uh, my brother is, he teaches dancing for a living. Now he runs his own dance classes in ballroom, Latin, salsa and Argentine tango. Wow. Um, and my sister doesn't really get involved. She, uh, she lives in Australia with her family. Right. And so did you, did you end up 
uh, get, end up going to a dance academy or a dance school apart from apart from the social the, the social work you were doing and then obviously getting involved in competitions and things did it just literally transform from that or did you then say right I need some discipline you know I need some formal training I need some qualification how did that how did that work yeah it started when, when I uh, when I hit the age of 16 I was I was competing up till then as what you call a junior and the junior ranks and when you hit 16 you become an adult in that world so uh, only in that world but um, I decided I wasn't continue wasn't going to continue competing uh, and instead I wanted to learn to teach so I became a student teacher at the same school um, under the guidance of Peggy Spencer MBE I'll have you know um, and seeing she she taught everybody she was literally the UK ambassador to dance around the world yeah, so she yeah. taught rural families around the world she worked with the Beatles, she done, she'd worked with everybody and they did a This Is Your Life on her and everything. She was pretty damn famous and pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I had, I, which I consider the best teacher training in the world for dance. Um, and I loved it so much but decided in those days that having a career in dance uh, was not the sensible thing to do. Therefore, I decided to go to college and do business studies and try and further career in business. Um, a proper job. <laughs> a pro, as, you, as they would call a proper job. So, you know, I wouldn't even consider it. And then I did that two years later and I was, I didn't feel something was right. So uh, I took a year off to have a think about the whole entertainment industry and think, feel if it was for me or not. And, and within that year I was there, uh, working a lot as a dance teacher. I was earning quite a good salary doing that. And just enjoying life, going clubbing, going to concerts. And I was, I went to see the Pet Shop Boys in their heyday um, and at Wembley Arena. And I looked at the stage, looked at the whole performance and the lights and the set and everything. And instantly at that moment, I knew that was for me. Yeah. I knew that was home I mean it is a bit of a cliche you know and these days there are a lot of young kids who are encouraged by what they see and totally inspired and, and feel they want to go for it um, so I decided I'd go for it so I worked really hard to get my myself into a dance college into a performing arts college and and actually was dissuaded by a lot of people to do it still but was absolutely determined I was going to do this I managed to get a grant from my local council because the money was a lot. My parents weren't really able to fund that at the time. Um, so I got my grant. I went and auditioned at college. I was a lot older than all the other boys and girls there. And for some reason, they took me in. They even said, you know, you're not good enough and we'll take you in on a bit of potential. You've got height, you know, <laughs> um, And uh, I was like, great, I'm in. And that really did uh, change my life. That really was the next chapter. Where was yeah. that? What college? What college was that? That was called Performers Dance College, and it was in Essex, and it was run by uh, the, the famous choreographer of his day, Brian Rogers. And Brian Rogers uh, was, was a big TV choreographer, and he had the Brian Rogers dancers. And I remember watching them on TV and thinking, "Oh my God, I'd love to do that." That yeah. just in my wildest dreams. Uh, and that was the only college I, I went for, I applied for, 
um, because I because I've never done anything like ballet or tap or jazz or anything like that. So I thought I'll uh, I'll go for the one that I, that that turns me on the most, and, and you know the pictures in the prospectus were just perfect. So, yeah. so being being a Brian Rogers dancer or actually being Brian Rogers was my dream. So what and happened after college? What happens after after that? What did you do? Did you did you go out and work? Did you get in some shows and things, or did you immediately say, "I want to start teaching. I want to be a choreographer"? Because how did you get into that? I mean, um, when I was at college, the, the the first year was really hard because I'd never undergone that kind of training. I I couldn't even touch my toes. I couldn't do one pirouette. So I worked really hard and struggled from the bottom. I had to work my way up, um, and even that, it was hard. To compete against everybody else who had who had done formal training all their life, um, and in my second year, uh, I, I found it very difficult emotionally to, to deal with the whole situation. And I was 21 at this stage, so I was still quite a bit older than the other kids at college. And and also, I knew I was quite creative. Um, I I felt the need to choreograph at this at this. Uh, stage in the in the proceedings as well and I knew choreography was for me um so so did you go so 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 did you did you go into performance at all at that point or did you just think I've left college or I'm in my final bit I'm just gonna I want to go straight into teaching I want to I want to I want to be directing these people I feel creative rather than I want to go and get a job dancing uh, yeah, no, I wanted to be a dancer for sure, and that was what I was aiming for. Uh, but while, whilst I was at college, I created a dance company, uh, and we went and performed in a nightclub in Essex a few times, and I got in trouble for it. And I got called <laughs> up to the office, and they were like, "This is not what you're supposed to be doing. Go and get a job at McDonald's if you need money." And I never wanted to do that. I always wanted my part-time job to have something to do with dancing. So, you know, unwittingly, I was, I was. A choreographer then and managing a, a small a company as it were um and you know when i left college i left because i'd auditioned and got a job and i just called them and said i'm going to leave and they were quite happy with that because <laughs> i wasn't the best at the college at the time and uh, but i got i got a job and uh, then i got another job and i was on a cruise ship and then i was doing a trade show in manchester and i was doing all sorts of things um, and and from then, choreography didn't come until a couple of years later when I started putting things together. Um, and I only ever did that uh, as a hobby anyway, just getting people together, making little videos. Um, and then I would find work as a dancer by myself um, as a little cabaret act. And obviously that was a, a, a way to choreograph as well. I did a multitude of things as a dancer. I, was, I did some pop videos and I did some tours and I, I carried on learning different styles of dance. And I, I saw a Lindy Hop dance company called Zoots and Spangles on the original Come Dancing show. And I knew instantly I needed to learn that and be in that company. And two weeks later, I tracked them down. I happened to be on the same show as them. And, uh, and I was in and did a little bit of traveling around the world with them. Uh, and, and I never stopped learning, really. And I never stopped training myself. And I'd go dancing in the evenings, social dancing in the evenings. And I kept the ballroom up. And I was able to do that as well as the hip hop and the ballet and the tap and, and the salsa and the lindy hop and everything. And and all that really gave me a lot of work. And then so there was a girl who uh, who asked me to partner her for an audition. 
And I was like, oh, what is it? She said, well, it involves a bit of tango. So you'd be perfect for it, you know, to, to partner me. So I said, yeah, yeah. And it happened to be uh, the movie Evita. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll go along. So I went along and um, she didn't get the job, but I did. <laughs> and it ended up being weeks of rehearsals and it, and it meant I got to work with Madonna for six days. And that really turned my career around because having Madonna on your CV, especially back then, um, was quite a big deal. So, you know, I quite, I quite, I like to use my initiative to get work if I could and, and do a variety of styles. Did she ever uh, talk? Did she ever talk to you again? Wonderful <laughs> <the> girl. <laughs> um, I can't even remember who it is, um, but I'm no, sure she, she remembers you. <laughs> yeah, she saw me out there in the big screen. Um, no, I think she was quite magnanimous. She was fine. Yeah. So that that was a real a real career highlight for sure. I mean, you've had so many, and you've worked quite extensively in TV and radio. Uh, sorry, TV and radio, TV and film. Um, radio wouldn't have much use for a choreographer, I suspect. But um, <laughs> in TV well, and film, and well, in, and in theatre as well. Tell us a sort of sort of some some more of your career highlights. What 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 great things have you done? I mean, you've, there's so much I can see from uh, from your website and your CV and stuff. So what what have you done? Uh, well, I mean, as, as a dancer, I, you know, there was the, there was the movie of Vita, and, and for me personally, there were some fantastic jobs. The, the, the ones, I guess, that are a bit more high profile happened whilst, when I became a choreographer. Getting my break on Strictly Come Dancing was awesome. And, uh, and I was, actually, I was asked if I wanted to be on the first ever series of Strictly as a dancer, and I turned it down because I only ever did what I really wanted to do, and I knew I never wanted to put that outfit on again um, and wiggle my hips and tight trousers. So uh, I avoided that, which perhaps I shouldn't have done in hindsight, but I did get on as a choreographer. Um, I also choreographed on the original um, Burn the Floor show, which was a massive arena show, and I got to work with uh, Anthony Van Last, a very big choreographer, um, who recently choreographed the Beauty and the Beast movie. And I learned a lot from him, um, which kind of helped me move forwards. And then from Strictly, that opened the door to other shows, and I got uh, Let's Dance for Comic Relief, uh, which was a really big break. And that enabled me to utilize all the skills, all my skills in dancing, all the different styles. From that, I, um, I was recommended for so many other TV shows, and another big highlight was choreographing the and staging the Royal Variety Show, uh, which I was very pleased about because there are not many choreographers that had achieved that. And one of the one of the biggest choreographers that ever achieved that was Brian Rogers. So I'd felt I'd I'd achieved my dream. Full circle, almost. Yes, and obviously, uh, you know, there's other things uh, I wanted to do movies at one stage and I got to choreograph a whole movie called Cuban Fury and uh, I wanted to do a bit of theatre and this wonderful gentleman called me and asked me if I could do Godspell. <laughs> so tick. <laughs> <laughs> well I, it was quite a find for me too because I mean you've, you know you've ended up being amazing and to work with and and, and someone I would I very much class as a friend and I, I think you know we, seeing you work with in such different different guises and doing working in different styles with different kinds of people and groups and things is, is quite 
amazing. I, I think you're a, you know, a, a phenomenal, phenomenal, I can't even speak properly this morning, a phenomenal leader. Um, and, uh, and, and choreography, and you come up with great ideas that make fe- people feel comfortable. Um, and I suppose that's one of the things that, that's really important about being a good choreographer is, is making people feel comfortable and encouraging them to be able to do what, what, what your vision is. Do you find it difficult? Do you find people do, do rebel against that sometimes? Uh, no, I think, uh, well, first of all, it's nice of you to say all of that. And, uh, you know, if, if I can uh, give people that impression, and I, I personally feel that's my job done. I've always felt that when, when, whether I'm teaching a class or choreographing a rehearsal, I've got to achieve two things. I've got to make sure everybody's happy and comfortable and relaxed and that they've come away learning something. Um, and fortunately I have the patience of the saints when it comes to teaching people to dance or choreographing people because uh, I think everything's got to put, be put into perspective. I would never judge a beginner how I would judge uh, a professional. And, uh, and if, if somebody is professional, I, I'd have high expectations of them. Um, and, you know, I've spent most of my career working with celebrities on the reality shows, teaching them how to dance from the beginning and not even teaching them how to dance, just showing them choreography. Uh, I, I spent a lot of my time as a teacher studying the, the psychology of, of dance and, and how to get information from one head to another. And having been quite different myself at school and not being able to take in the information, I realized there wasn't one way of doing, there were different ways of doing it. Um, um, and yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a joy and it's been a pleasure. I've never really come away from something and thought, God, I really did enjoy that. And they were a nightmare unless they were a nightmare. Um, and that's more to do with their own personal situation than <laughs> the, 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 the rehearsal situation. So, so generally I, you know, I feel it's better if you, if you get people on side and keep people relaxed, uh, and you have a two-way um, level of discipline and respect, then, you know, everybody's happy. Everybody's a winner. And it, it's a hugely competitive industry. I mean, you, you know, when you, when you look at a, even for, I mean, for theatre, for TV, for film, for, for whatever it is, you know, you look at the open calls and you look at the auditions, they're queuing around the block. Everyone thinks they can do it. Everybody wants to do it. And the competition is huge. I mean, it's, it, you know, you look at some of the, even towards the sort of final auditions, um, the recalls and stuff when they're casting, and people are working so hard because they want that job. It's a bit like Chorus Line, the, you know, the show. Um, how, how have you found competition in the industry? Have you found it very, very difficult to deal with? More as a dancer, I felt I found it very difficult to deal with because, as you say, the competition was fierce. And, uh, you know, I'd go to these big open auditions and a lot of the time it was really if your face fitted. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate that I was tall and, you know, I had sort of a darker complexion and kind of looked the part for a lot of these jobs. I was never the best dancer, I've never been the best dancer in the world, never been the best choreographer in the world either. I, I also realized that there were other things that kind of gave you the advantage, a bit of common sense would help um, in, in an audition situation, really if you knew how to hold yourself, how to walk in, how to behave, where to stand, um, you know, and you know, as well as developing the skills of picking up dance and that sort of thing. So, so as, a, as, a, as a dancer, you know, I was fortunate because I think 
um, I, I fitted the brief uh, many times. But And also, I wasn't the best technical dancer, but I knew how to sell it. And I danced with passion all the time, and I danced because I loved it. And I think that came across as well. There were other people that I saw that worked a lot more than me. The most amazing dancers, they actually didn't love it. They were just really good at it, and I hated them every time. Um, and and I, never re I never really achieved all the things I wanted to as a dancer, but then I think I got to a stage where I realized my purpose was, was to create and choreograph and lead other people and inspire other people. Mm. And as a choreographer, uh, I found the competition much less of a problem. And I think, you know, there, there are so many amazing dancers, teachers and choreographers out there. And a lot of people who are teaching dance that call themselves a choreographer who creatively are insane. I mean, these are the people that are, are more innovative. Um, but perhaps working within a team, working with producers and a director and, and thinking about the bigger picture in terms of a production is not where they excel as much and you know I'm still working after all these years and I think it I think it's because I'm I'm all round good at putting a production together and thinking cameras and thinking stage and thinking audience and thinking and, and communicating with people the right way and Brian Rogers did say that to me many years later we we met um at an event and he said god you've done really well he said you obviously know how to talk to people so obviously that 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 was a thing that, you know, that he was able to do as well. So as a dancer, let's talk about that for a minute, because, you, you know, you, you, you know, you know it from both sides. You know it as a, as a dancer. You've experienced that and the competition and you and, you know, from a choreographer. So what sort of, you know, let's have your sort of top five tips on how to behave, how to how to push yourself forward, how to best promote yourself and be that perfect person um you know gift of the gab what is it looks what, what you've got to be on form you've got to be your best so what are your what are your top five tips for people um I, I think first of all you've got to be realistic you've got to look at yourself and know what your hardware is know what know what your what your product is what you are what your usp is and know where that fits like i said i knew i looked at myself and i thought okay um I'm never going to be that dancer in that role and in that show, but I'm, I know I'm going to be able to sell it with the goods I've been given, which was, you know, my physique, my height, my, my hair, my brown skin, that all that, you know, I had that commercial look of the day and I knew I fitted in. Um, and I didn't, I never kidded myself. And I, and I think there are some people out there that do kid themselves. Um, and, I, and I would never dissuade anybody because I think there's something for everybody and everybody fits in, in the right place. But I think that's really important because it can be soul destroying if you are, you know, five foot and, and of a squarish physique and you're going for the six foot two role of a slender physique, you know, and, and, you know, that does happen. Uh, that's quite an extreme and perhaps an unfair. Yeah, but be, uh, being realistic, I think, and to, you know, knowing what your strengths are and where to put them, I think is very important. Um, so that's yeah. tip number one. What's tip number two? Tip number two is work hard, train hard. Um, never stop training, never stop working, and always research, always look at what other people are doing. I think that's, that's really important. For me, it was... Uh, learning as many styles as possible because I knew that would keep me in work. Tip number three 
um, is obviously stay fit. That speaks for itself. Um, yeah. and, you can't you have know, a dancer that's unfit, can you? <laughs> you can't have a dancer that's unfit, but it's so important to do. And, and actually, young dancers now are really, really amazing at doing that. They, they keep very fit. Uh, even I still go to the gym. And tip number four, I would say, um, is be nice because there are a lot of people out there who are not as nice. Um, and there are a lot of dancers who are really talented, but I don't work with them because I know that on a production, when everybody's under pressure and there's a lot to do, I know that everybody has to feel comfortable and get on and be in a really lovely environment to work in. And there are just different personality types, obviously. Some are more introvert, some are more extrovert. And as a choreographer, when I cast, I do, I do bear that in mind. And I think if you're, even if it's not genuine, just be nice because being nice helps all round. I think it's a um, very good point. I think when you're on a, when you're on a casting panel, you, you, you know, how, how nice people are, you have to think about, am I going to be able to work with these people? Are they going to have attitude? Are they going to be arrogant? Are they going to be overconfident? Are they going to be falling apart? Are they, you know, you've got to look at all those things because you've got to, you've got to find people you can work with that are going to be malleable and that are, that are going to really respond the way that you want them to respond to create the vision that you have. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very important because, you know, even if in an audition you do see really lovely, gorgeous kind people but they just might talk too much and they just feel like they've got a lot to say all the time <laughs> i'm like you're really nice but i know it's going to be a struggle because i don't want to hear that voice all the time and that sounds <laughs> awful now, having having been in that production situation so many times and for so many years i know it's a really important thing um and and on the other on the flip side of that you do get people who don't talk at all and sometimes <laughs> That's a bit strange because you think you do need a bit of something back. But, you know, I'm, I'm nitpicking at this. Being nice is, is, is the general thing there. I'd say that the, the fifth point um, is be positive and find the right place in your head. Because I firmly believe that, uh, I mean, you know, it's hard work being an artist because you're... You, you're constantly striving, you're constantly broke, you're constantly feeling, am I ever going to reach my goal? And uh, life throws all sorts of um, challenges at you and you'll get that that electricity bill and you think, God, how am I going to pay that? And, you know, because I'm not working, but I still want to be an artist. And it, that can put you in a very um, difficult place in your own head. And it's working on your own mind so that you don't overthink things and you stay focused and you and you believe that you will get there eventually having done all the previous things and worked at your reality and all that um, and being positive about life and, and one thing I live by especially at difficult times is not having an expectation but appreciation instead. And I try, when everything feels like it's a bit too much and I'm expecting to get this job and I want this role and I want this position, and I think, okay, that's my expectation. Instead, today, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to relax. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to appreciate everything I currently have. And 
what I'm able to do. You know, I'm, if, if you're a dancer, you, you have skill, you have a great physique, you have fitness, you have ability, and you know you can get, get out there and dance. Um, and that in itself, being in that little happy place, can really help you be relaxed and in the right frame of mind. Um, and I guess that all falls under the banner of positivity. Some really, really great advice there, Richard. Thank you for that. I, I, I'm interested to know what your sort of greatest challenges, what your own personal challenges have been. What have you really fought against um, during your career? Um, good question. Uh, there have been many. Um, my, my, one of my greatest challenges was, was uh, comparing myself to other people because that's what you do. And when you go into an audition situation, you are literally being compared to everybody else. Be, you know, I do it. I, I audition dancers and I think, okay, this is what I want. That one's not good and that one's, that one's the one I want. It's just life, it's just the reality of it. And that was difficult for me as a dancer. Um, and being able to, to give myself a break and not beat myself up whenever I didn't get an audition. And, and most of the time I didn't get an audition. Uh, I wasn't successful. Um, the other thing was being different as a person. I mean, when I was a child, I was, I was, I, I couldn't fit into the group. I was never in the in group. I was never popular. I was this little brown boy. Um, you know, there was a little bit of racism at the time and I was, I, I didn't want to go and play football with the boys. And when they made us do that at school, it was an issue. Um, I wasn't the, the overly physical boyish type. I'd much rather go and chat to the girls and uh, and play my guitar and draw pictures, you know. So I was in that little bubble. And that sort of carried itself forward into my dance career. And, you know, in a situation when I'm there in a boys' class or in a boys' audition, and, and I felt I found that difficult... And I had to find my my masculinity, as it were, in that way and be one of those kind of lads. Um, also, uh, you know, the, the, the general things like not earning money and, and feeling like I was a bit of a failure because all my friends uh, who weren't dancers and at the same age as me were, were buying houses and things like that, you know. Um, I think I think that those are the major things. Yeah. I mean, I had injuries, but they just go with the territory, you know. Of course, it's a very physical job. Very physical job. It's <laughs> like being a sportsman. I mean, it's a it's a exactly form of sports. Um, you've you've also done some aside from TV and stage. I shan't go on about the radio thing again. <laughs> um, you've done some music videos as well. You've done quite a lot of work in that in that side on the on the sort of more pop side. Yes, uh, I've not really done as many music videos as I'd like to have done because my career was just, was just TV, TV, TV. I had TV shows thrown at me left, right and center. And I think I, I, I realized I was good at the cheesy stuff. I was good at character work to work. A lot of the comedians, funny enough. Um, and, and whenever I got offered a music video, it was just like amazing. Um, but I wish I could say I did a, a video for Rihanna or, uh, you know, for, for Madonna or whoever, but I didn't. Um, I did as a dancer um, work, uh, dance in a video for George Michael, which was absolutely amazing, which I choreographed my own stuff. Um, I did a video um, for 
at some some smaller groups, which I probably can't even remember. Um, and I did I did a big a video for a, a, a group called Storm Queen. It's a really popular song, and everywhere I went, I uh, I saw it being played on screens in bars and clubs and things. And you have a you have a huge passion for for Latin music. Latin music. You do a lot of teaching in Latin music, apart from choreography. Is that is that has that just sort of gradually gone that path organically, or or have you actually made a decision? That's where I, I have a huge passion for that. You mentioned Cuban Fury. Did it sort of just start going down that path, or did you decide I want to specialise? Um, that's, that's another really good question, actually, because Latin music and dance is is my absolute passion. It's still <clears throat> it's still my hobby. I still go two or three times a night uh, dancing. <laughs> Yeah. I think you mean a week, <laughs> but you are a bit of a party goer. Let's face it. <laughs> I'm a bit of a night owl, and, and every week I'll go a few times um, <laughs> to, to go down south until the early hours of the morning if I can and if work work permits. Um, I absolutely love it. The music turns me on, and you know, I've I, I worked in Cuba. I, I I should have been Cuban, really, um, but also I realised when when I went to college and when I came out of college that I didn't just want to do stick to one style. I mean, most dancers, mo most people at, at my college went into musical theater or the commercial dance scene. I wanted to do everything. I was like, I wanted to do all of it. And I was good enough to do all of it. I wasn't the best at any of it, but I knew I could, I could do it. Um, and so many people said, well, you know, you should really specialize in one thing because if you focus on it, you'll, it'll really help you achieve that. And I thought, God, that's so sensible. And that's so right. And I really should. But like, like the spoiled brat I am, I was like, no, I definitely want, want one of it. And it, I found it hard um, persuading people that I was good enough to do salsa and ballroom and hip hop and tap. Um, because nobody actually does that. And I think I'm probably one of the only people in the world that, that can do all of those styles. And in fact, I'm actually um, arranging to create a world record as the guy that can do the most styles of dance. Wow, how exciting. Yeah. Um, and and I put in the time, and one night a week I'd go Lindy Hop dancing, another night I'd go salsa dancing, and then in the daytimes I'd do class at Pineapple doing hip-hop and jazz, and I'd keep my ballet up. And um, and I've, I've often uh, advised dancers on doing the same, especially dancers who are not working as much as they'd like, because the more, the more tools you have in your kit, the better, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all of it... I've only ever done anything I've really loved and all that kind of music really turns me on a lot. And if I like it and I feel it and I feel passionate about it, I'm going to go and do it. And you've mentioned fitness. Now you're, you're kind of in your prime really, but you're, you know, you're not a 20 something anymore. How do you manage to keep fit and how do you, how do you manage to keep up with, with, with the young'uns and, uh, and still have all the energy to be uh, going to Latin, you know, Latin uh, events three times a night? <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's not kid ourselves. I can't keep up with the youngins anymore. Um, I'm, you know, uh, I'm a middle-aged man now, but I keep fit by going to the gym. Um, and actually, I went, I went and did one of the hardest classes at the gym yesterday and actually nearly threw up at the end of it. <laughs> difficult, really difficult. And what I do know is I, from my training, I have the will to do it. And in my, my mind will allow me to do it. It's just at my age, whether my body can keep up. And, and 
you know, there are guys much older than me in the gym who, you know, guys in their 50s and 60s who are still there really strong and, and, and stronger than everybody else. So I believe it's all in your head. If you, if you keep doing it and you eat well and you stay healthy enough, then you can do it. Also, I mean, when I go dancing in the evenings and if I decide to do a class or anything, I'm, I'm doing it to feed my soul as much as my body. And like anything in life, if, if you're enthusiastic about something and you love it, your your body miraculously makes you do it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a huge believer in, in what you think is is will influence whatever happens in life, and uh, and that includes your body. So, you know, things hurt a bit more, and I, I move a bit slower than I used to. You have to slow down because your body gets older, but um, it keeps my soul happy, and I think that nourishes everything else. And I think that's vitally important. I mean, people always always say to me, "How how do you always have so much energy and enthusiasm? How do you keep that up?" And I, it's because I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do, and I, I think you're absolutely right. I think if your mind is in the right place and you you love what you do so much, you just just get the energy. It just stays with you. It doesn't. You don't run out of steam. Because because your mind is it's so positive and and, and you're all you know I've I've never known you to be anything other than very happy and positive and it's probably because you know I only I only see you doing what you love to do but there must have been times where you you know we all have to do jobs sometimes we don't enjoy doing what motivates you to keep going nothing I mean <clears throat> if I am um, <clears throat> excuse me I probably sound like a sport brat but. If I do something that I really don't enjoy, I can't really do it. I, can't, I just can't do it well at all. I mean, you know, I used to do my own, my own uh, financial accounts and my tax returns and stuff. Boy, I mean, I can do it. I'm not stupid. But um, I really struggled and it really brought me down. It made me miserable. And that sounds like, you know, we've all got to do what we don't want to do. And I have done jobs I've, I've not enjoyed, not wanted to do. Um, and you know, at the beginning of my my career, when I left school, I decided I was going to do something else and go down an academic path. So at least I did give that a go. But I realised I wouldn't be doing much good for myself or the world. I know I knew inside what I had to give, and I was right. You know, that's where I excelled, and that's where I was able to do some good and leave my mark and inspire other people. And I think you know. Energy has a lot to do with anything. And when you feel that good and, you know, I am feeding my soul with what I love, I have an abundance of energy like you do because you do what you love and therefore you're, you're always up there and high with energy. And that helps everybody else around you. That helps me. And, you know, I, I know sometimes that people are happy to be in my company because I feel great and it makes them feel good. And likewise, when I encounter other people that have that sort of energy. So that's my reason for not doing things I don't like to do. Well, I so, always say to people, it's one of my mottos is, if you don't enjoy doing something, don't do it. Don't do it, yeah. You know, do what you love to do. Um, I, think, I think there's a lot of people that get on through their life and actually don't enjoy what they do. But, you know, whether or not they have the passion to try something else or, and and. Do you know what? It, it takes a lot of guts um, to actually say, right, sod this, I'm going to do what I really want to do. Yeah. And you really have to sacrifice a lot to do it. And as cliched as it is, we do only get one chance in life and you never know what's around the corner. Um, so do, do what you enjoy doing. So just one last question. So what have, what have you got coming up in the next few months? What exciting projects are you working on? Um, 
I got myself into uh, TV commercials, um, so I'm, uh, which is great. And this is a, a, you know, I decided I've done so much TV, I've done movies, done some theatre. I really like the idea of choreographing TV commercials, so I kind of put it out there, um, both um, mentally and by contacting a few people. And so I've started doing some of those. I'm uh, currently working on one for EasyJet, which is really exciting, it's quite different. And I'm uh, working on a huge project for Lexus, the car brand, um, where I'm uh, creating a whole, uh, not only like a, a, a TV, a, a commercial, it's actually an online commercial, but a whole experience, and it's in Ibiza, and I'm working with Mark Ronson, which wow, is- really exciting. Extremely exciting. Um, so that's like a, a very long month long project, which is which is great. Great. Well, that's some really exciting things, and you've you've been amazing. It's been a fantastic interview, and there's some you know huge insights into your life, and and some great tips for people. So I just like to wish you all the best, and thank you so much for your time today. It's been a, a real pleasure, and uh, I can't wait to uh, to work with you again sometime. Oh, brilliant! Well, it was a pleasure to to chat. And uh, hopefully it'd be useful to somebody somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I have no doubt about it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, that's it for today's show. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Don't forget to check out the website at www.alifeinmusic.com. Subscribe to the podcast and please continue to spread the word. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, be your very best. <laughs>